Olá pessoal, tudo bem? Welcome to the Brazil Crypto Report podcast, where we talk to the builders, entrepreneurs, and influencers from across the Brazil crypto ecosystem. I'm your host, Aaron Stanley, and today I'm joined by Gustavo Cunha, who is a Brazilian financial services veteran turned crypto enthusiast, and he's also a prolific writer and podcaster. Today, we're going to be talking about the digital real, which is a central bank digital currency that's being developed by Brazil's central bank. This is arguably the most innovative CBDC project happening in the world right now, and it's ramping up very quickly in 2023. So we're going to be discussing the digital rails design, its objectives, and why it's significant from a global perspective. Yeah, Gustavo, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, oh, eh, bom dia, bom dia, boa tarde, boa noite. Depende, depends on who who you're going to watch that uh, that or listen to that. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. I follow you for the last uh, time. I watched some of the podcast, so it's kind of an honor to be here. Thank oh, you very wonderful. much. Wonderful, wonderful. Likewise, it's, I've followed you for a long time as well, so I'm glad we finally got a chance to do this here. So to get started, why don't you give us a quick uh, introduction, uh, some background on yourself and how you got into crypto? Okay, uh, uh, so that's a, that's a long story. I'll try to keep that short, but uh, I work in like 25, almost 25 years in the financial markets, in the traditional financial markets. I, I, finished, I finished that in 2015. I was the head of... Uh, uh, one of the directors of Rabobank Brazil at that moment. Uh, then I started the fintech in Brazil uh, with the idea of uh, open banking at that moment. In one month that I was there, I just realized that it was too early for the Brazil uh, in 2015 to talk about that. Uh, but then on this fintech, I uh, got introduced to Bitcoin with another guy that was working there. And uh, since I think that's everyone that's on the financial market and knows how it works when they kind of understand or read the paper of uh, Satoshi Nakamoto about the Bitcoin, they kind of say, whoa, it's going to change a lot. And that's going to be like that since then. So I just start with the Bitcoin, uh, doing a lot of arbitrage on shore offshore in Brazil. Uh, then we start, we get all this DeFi thing that is was really amazing to see how it developed since uh, 2019, 20. And then I, I, I kind of move it in two ways on this on this uh, environment. One is on the education part. So I have a podcast under the brand of FinTrainer. So I have a podcast YouTube. I write for a lot of uh, media uh, uh, portals in Brazil as well. So it's a kind of a way for me to get into this environment and know the things. Uh, on the side comments, I started my PhD here at, uh, in Portugal. I'm living in Porto nowadays. Uh, and the, my, the theme of my thesis was stablecoin. That was really related to CBDC in the end. So it's a kind of similar thing. Uh, to be honest, I was intending to do that uh, thesis about, around the theme of uh, CBDC, but it was 2018 or 2019. And it was too early for CBDC. And, uh, and at least here in Porto, in the, in the environment that I had. So I started that on the stable coin. But of course, I, I, I've read a lot about CBDCs. And since then, I'm uh, really deep into these uh, discussions, both the academic part of it, also the practical part of the implementation of CBDC. Uh, it's worth saying as well that I'm one of the mentors of the uh, Next, which, which is the uh, Brazilian Central Bank Innovation Hub, 
or innovation sandbox, you can say that I'm one of the mentors there. So I kind of involved in that as well, or helping the fintechs that goes to these programs to uh, kind of adequate them into the more regulated environments or how can we fit this innovation into this regulatory framework that we have? Or you can flip this coin to the other side. How we adjust the regulation for it to be able to uh, address or to, uh, to accept this innovation that we see. So let me stop here because otherwise right. I, I, I like to talk. <laughs> I'm going to keep talking about a lot about that. But just a quick introduction and saying why this uh, discussion about CBDCs and stable coins is really a thing that I, I really like and I really enjoy see to see Brazil the way that it's moving, the direction that they are moving. Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much for that context. So let's dive right in here. And uh, so on Monday here in Brasilia, where I'm, I'm based right now, uh, the Brazilian Central Bank had a, uh, a press conference and they made a couple of big announcements. Uh, why don't you tell us a bit about what was announced? Yeah, it was it was announced the initiative the initiative of the Real Digital. So that was the the idea we'd see the the CBDC of Brazil. There was a lot of discussions on whether the central bank would go for a blockchain like or a DLT or not. Uh, in the end, they they said that they, they are going to go for a DLT solution using Hyperledger Bezel. Uh, which is really nice because it's uh, what you call an EVM compatible uh, solution. We're gonna we can deep dive into that uh, uh, further in, in the future. But I think that the, the thing here that's really amazing about the architecture that the central bank is moving to is uh, that's not gonna change a lot in the way the system or the the system is organized nowadays. So how how let me explain on that. Uh, the idea of the Central Bank of Brazil is to have a, a, what we call a wholesale CBDC. So there's going to be a CBDC or the Real Digital will be traded just between the central bank and the financial institutions. So it's going to be a wholesale thing. The normal people will not have access to the CBDC. Uh, and the, the banks, the commercial banks, will issue what they call the Real Tokenizado, which is a stable coin. Uh, but they will be issued by the banks, not by the central bank. So that's a, that's a good thing because it's a different platform, but it's more or less the way the market is today. So, of course, the, the communication between the banks and the central bank nowadays, it's all digital, right? The bank doesn't send papers from uh, paper money from one to another. It's all digital. Uh, so the CBDC will be a better digital way to do that, but it's going to be on the digital side. Uh, when you are talking about the uh, the individuals, it's more or less the same thing. We don't really trade money, at least not most of the people. We are just sending pics, TED, and all these things. So it's a kind of a digital money, but you're going to have a tokenized real, which is a better uh, stru structure on that. How going through this direction, why is it better? So how, how uh, a CBDC in a stable coin is better than the systems that we we have now? I, don't know. I think that the, the view is that uh, it's more on the infrastructure side than the, on the CBDC and the stable coin itself because they have another uh, infrastructure for us to trade these tokens. And as we are going to be on a blockchain, uh, kind of a DLT, uh, these tokens 
uh, with these tokens, we'll, we'll get as close as possible to what I call a programmable money. So uh, that certainly should be that uh, it doesn't change much, but in, in fact, it changes a lot because it opens the door to a lot of innovations that can come uh, with that. So that's, that's the thing that really uh, was announced. It's, uh, you can say that uh, it's more about the infrastructure itself than the currency in the sense of a CBDC or a real tokenizado. It's a new infrastructure. We already have the infrastructure for the, the, the TED and all these things. We have a new one, which is the uh, the PIX. That's a kind of new one. It's just a few years that's there. And you're going to have a, another layer now, a new one, that's going to be the the real tokenizado or the digital real, the real uh, the the CBDC of the central bank. So that's right. that's that's what I announced. I think that's uh, one thing that's uh, kind of uh, was good on this sense was that okay, the central bank will go for a DLT solution. That was uh, a lot of discussions on that, but uh, there was not clear whether they would go for that or not. So was was the question: Are they going to operate at the DLT solution or like a public blockchain? Was that was that the open question, or 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 not even use any kind of you know DLT blockchain infrastructure at all and just use their own private database type thing? Is yeah, that, I think that, that that was the the discussion on the lift that they had uh, in the last months. So that uh, I think that there were, all the solutions were open, right? So I think that's uh, the solution: a public blockchain. I think that. That's my personal view. I think I do believe that's a kind of thing that the central bank would like to go, in a sense that it's open, it's open source, have a lot of innovation, but they don't, they cannot go in the end uh, because of uh, either kind of privacy that we don't really have on a public network. Okay, we have the, the public keys that it's not, uh, no one knows who the, the public keys are the owner of the public keys are, but as soon as you trade with them, then you know where, who, who are uh, the guy and you're going to have uh, all the track of the transactions for the last uh, years or whatever. So that's a, that's a kind of a discussion about private on the public blockchains. That was not really, uh, uh, the central bank was not capable to use that. Also, there was a kind of control on this public blockchain. So uh, let's say that the bank central bank will go for the Ethereum and then in a couple of years, the community of the Ethereum turns to to change that into proof of work again, right? Say or things like that. So that they need to control this uh, uh, this platform. So that's the thing that uh, it wasn't on, on their mind. So okay, Ethereum was we're not gonna be uh, with block public blockchains. So we're gonna need a new infrastructure. It could be just a, a infrastructure that uh, it's more traditional, the more known blockchain. Let's put it that way or a more DLT blockchain one. Uh, and that was really a good surprise that they say, okay, we did all the tests. We think that the a DLT could handle all the things that we want uh, to have. They will perform a pilot in the next, um, it starts now, in the next uh, 15 months or so uh, uh, to do that. So uh, there's still some open questions on this pilot that this pilot will, will gonna need to answer. Uh, I would say that privacy and scalability are the main things that we need to to pay attention on going forward. But uh, uh, this thing about, uh, okay, it's going to be a DLT, it was not decided, it was everything open, now it's decided, it's going to be a DLT. And by the way, we're going to use, or the first one that we're going to uh, test will be the Hyperledger Bezel. 
Got it. Got it. That's super helpful. Um, and I guess before we dive into my next, I want to ask a bit about more about the pilot specifically and like, what are you looking for or what kind of milestones are we looking, should we be looking for here with this pilot? But before we dive into that, would you mind giving us just a bit of context, maybe for, for folks who maybe haven't been following this issue specifically, could you have a bit of kind of the historical context of like how we got here? Like when did the, the Banco Central start researching this heavily? What's kind of been the development process? Uh, they've been talking about it for a couple of years now, but it seems now it's really ramping up. Uh, and and what's kind of their projected timeline for this to go, you know, fully live? Okay. Okay. It- I think that's one thing that's important for us to, to keep in mind is that the Central Bank of Brazil in the last, let's say, 10 years or so, they are really in the in the front line of all innovations in the financial market. They are really on the discussions of everything that's happening. Brazil uh, was like that like 30 years ago when they implemented the SPB in Brazil, which was really a good innovation. Uh, let's say like 25, 30 years ago, it was a probably one of the, if not the first one, one of the first place in the world that you could send money from one individual, one bank account to another bank account, mm-hmm. right? What they call the TED in Brazil. It was a really good implementation. Uh, and uh, But then we keep like 10 to 15 years with not really good innovations in Brazil. But in the last 15 or 10, 10 or 15 years, they ramped up again and uh, they started discussing all the things so the first thing that they and it's it's about everything in the financial market so they started uh with uh it's not really start because not they were really in parallel all these initiatives but we had the open bank in brazil which is not really open banking it's open finance that was implemented last uh last year so it's more broad than open banking that we have in england for example which is the uh where this concept was born, like in 2014, if I'm not wrong. Uh, so, uh, okay, open banking in Brazil, there's a lot of more innovation. They are really uh, uh, there better than the world. They are kind of uh, discussing that on the same level as the world is doing now. Uh, instant payments, Brazil was uh, the 58th country in the world to uh, put in place an instant payment uh, solution, which is the PIX. It was one one of the biggest success on implementing uh, uh, instant payments in the world. So uh, the people just use that everywhere in Brazil now. So it was implemented like two or three years ago, if I'm not wrong. Uh, Talking about CBDC, Brazil has has discussions with the BIS and uh, IMF, all all these international uh, things back to 2006. 15 or 16, if I'm not wrong, is the, sa- the first paper that we see on the Central Bank about that, Central Bank of Brazil about that. Uh, they have really good people, capable people to discuss that on an international uh, uh, environment, uh, how uh, about the CBDC and the, and the things. Uh, so they are they're, they're discussing that for a long time. You are seeing that that kind of ramping up nowadays, or we are seeing this implementation, all these discussions coming up to the media and to everyone now, but they are discussing that for more than five years now, right? So that's, uh, that's why. And I think this, coming back to the solution, it's really a clever solution in the end, because when they started discussing CBDC, uh, there was a concept of uh, what you call a retail CBDC. So a CBDC that would be issued 
from the central bank to the individuals directly. So uh, we, we as individuals would have a claim to the uh, central bank directly, like we have on the cash nowadays, right? And then uh, the cash that we have, it's a claim to the central bank because we, it's a money that's issued by the central bank. So that was the first idea that they came up in 2013 or 14 about CBDC. And it was really good. And maybe somewhere in the future can move to that. But uh, to implement that nowadays in any economy, it's a huge transformation in the financial system. Because imagine that the central bank will need to deal with accounts for all individuals. It's going to be on the central bank. So it's how the central bank will handle that nowadays. No central bank nowadays have structure to do that. Also, we have a deal, uh, discussion with disintermediation. So if the banks are not there, so who will going to lend a mortgage to, to anyone, right, for you to buy your house? So it's going to be the central bank too. Okay, but the central bank will do everything. doesn't make sense. Uh, okay, so that's, uh, that's why most of the, the countries are discussing uh, kind of more what I would call a wholesale CBDC than a, a retail CBDC. Uh, it's not to say that in the future we can move more to a retail CBDC or a different thing, uh, financial structure that we'll have, uh, that we individuals will have access to the directly to the money from the central bank. But I think that from moving from the infrastructure that we have now uh, to this, it's it's kind of a chaotic situation for any country in the world nowadays. So we need to go step by step. But coming back to your to your, to your question. The Central Bank of Brazil is discussing that a long time, so it's not it's not uh, uh, and and will continue. I think that that's it. We're not talking about the pilots. Uh, it's not that they announced the kind of final solution, uh, saying oh the real digital is going to be like this. They are saying that we think that this is the way to move, but we have a lot of tests to do on this way. So that's why they have a pilot. So the pilot will go up to, if I'm not wrong, middle of next year. Uh, that's uh, that's why uh, that's the schedule that they have. The idea is if the pad the, the this pilot turn should be a successful one. Uh, in thesis, we're gonna have the Heral Digital and the organized Heral being able to be implemented early 20, uh, 2015, 2000, 2015 or something like that. So that's more of the, the thing. There's one thing that I didn't say as well. Uh, um, which is really important, is they, they, they said that they will tokenize the CBDC, right? There's going to be a CBDC. There's going to be a real tokenizado, which more or less the, the, the idea of a stable coin. And also there's going to be a, a token that's related to the public bond on the system. That, oh, that, okay. They will test that on, on this pilot as well. Interesting. Which is really nice because, okay, they will test the two ways of payments, right? A stable coin and a CBDC. So that's a, a way to pay for everything. But they will have an asset, a tokenized asset uh, there, which is uh, a public bond issued by the Tesouro Nacional in Brazil, the treasury in Brazil. So uh, that's why the treasury was also on the conference announcing the Real Digital. So... That, that, that to say, it, it's amazing because as soon as we have the CBDC, the stable coin in a tokenized uh, asset that's a public bond, this tokenized asset can be my house in the future, can be my car, can be everything that can be tokenized in this in this system. So 
they are kind of saying, okay, that that's more or less the idea. We're gonna have a system right. where we're gonna have everything uh, tokenized and all secured. Let's let's put that way. Will be on the system as well, and will be traded on the system. So that that's quite nice. Yeah, yeah. And I think what I, what I find really interesting about this is the ideas themselves are quite interesting and innovative. Um, you don't. I, I almost see your point earlier about you know the original conversation about the about CBDCs was really as kind of this retail. You know, okay, everyone's going to have our own account with a central bank, and and it kind of raises these questions. But like, well, why do we need like legacy banks anymore if we all just have our accounts at the central bank directly? So how do you do this without basically disintermediating the entire existing financial system uh, while still like reaping the benefits that a CBDC could potentially offer? Um, and it seems like they've, they've uh, the Central Bank of Brazil has been able to find kind of a way of, of harmonizing those or balancing those two things, right? So one of the questions I'd like you, I'd like to ask you in a, in a moment here is, is just like, how do the, the existing banks benefit from this? Like, why is it in their interest to kind of play ball here? Um, and, and I, but before we get to that, I'd like to kind of walk through, like, how, how, what's the, the experience going to look like? from, you know, kind of starting from like the, the end user's perspective, right? So the, the end user won't actually be using the official digital real, but they would be ultimately using a tokenized, uh, basically like a, you know, a, a stable coin version of a real that's issued by a private bank uh, that that is essentially issuing those, 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 those digital reais against uh, like kind of tokenized deposits, essentially that are used as collateral. Is that, is that how this is working? Uh, so maybe let's kind of work backward from like the the perspective of the end user, and then kind of up the system to toward toward the central bank. Yes. Yeah, so, so so I think that I'll jump here into two examples: an individual that doesn't know anything about crypto, and an individual that knows about crypto, right? So I think because the explanation visually it's easier for both of them. If we divide that, so an individual that doesn't know anything about crypto is probably gonna not gonna change anything. So he's going to have this tokenized real as he has all nowadays the digital money that he has on the on the bank, right? So it's going to be more or less the same, uh, a different infrastructure on the back of it, but he's not going to see it doesn't matter in the end. So what he will see is a lot of uh, innovative products that will, that will, will be uh, in place in the future, all right? Because as soon as we have this tokenized real as a, uh, programmable money, for example, and we have, let's say, the ownership of your car also as a token in the system, so we can change uh, the kind of atomic swap. Uh, this, uh, atomic swap is a swap that's done on the same time for both assets, so that I can send you money, and you're going to send me the property of your of your car, the token that's a property of your car, at the same time. And uh, it needs to have all the, the both transactions for it to, to be done. I cannot have a transaction that I just send money to you and you don't, don't send me the, the token of your car. So uh, that's a very easy uh, kind of example of uh, what a kind of a programmable money with a token can handle in the system. So that's going to be very helpful, easy for people to trade this car, to sell a car or to buy a car in the sense. But for the individual that doesn't know anything about script, that, that that's it. It's going to be uh, this kind of uh, uh, situation that's going to be more easy on the system. And here I'm talking just about the, what, I, what I call the type, the tip of the iceberg, right? Because that's just a very normal example. For the people that know crypto and trade crypto, 
uh, a tokenized real and a and a in another token, it's more or less what we are used to have here, right? With the USDC and all this Aave, Uniswap, and uh, MakerDAO and all these structures that we have, so we can move the money much more easy. We can buy tokens much more easy. We can uh, change tokens from change money change one token to another token on a very easy automatic way 24/7 so it doesn't need to be in a bank in hours so that's all these things that could happen uh in this uh, environment going forward uh and that's of, of course uh I, I kind of like to divide this explanation both because people that are in crypto they they kind of are used to that it's a huge benefit that we have here right uh, uh people doesn't doesn't know about it they never experienced it, so it's more easy, more difficult for them to uh, to see it. But that's more or less the the thing. So uh, it opens the door for a lot of innovations to be on the financial system. So uh, I can do another parallel with the implementation of peaks in the last years. For the individuals in Brazil, they don't know how the peaks work in the end, right? So what's the infrastructure that it's behind it, whether it's uh, infrastructure A, B, C, D, blockchain, whatever, they don't know, for them it doesn't matter. But the solution for them are, are huge, are much better. They use that because it's, it's, it's helpful. It helps on uh, everyone in Brazil to do that. I think that the, on the Real, Real Digital and Real Tokenizado, we're probably going to have the same thing happening. But on a larger scale, because the PIX is just for payments. When you're talking about uh, uh, the real digital, it's about everything in the financial system. It's about services, it's about uh, investments, it's about lending, it's about everything uh, more, right? Yeah, and I think that's an important point to, to, to differentiate here is that when most people think of a CBDC, they think, or at least when I think of a CBDC, I think of it as almost basically like what PIX is now. I mean, it's just, okay, you know, instead of uh, paying with my credit card or paying, I, I just sort of scan this code and it just, you know, everything sort of gets deducted out of my account. It goes from one account to the next account and it's all sort of administered by the central bank. And I mean, I think of it purely as kind of a payments mechanism. So what I found really interesting about what the central bank is doing here is that they're viewing this not just as a payments instrument, but as really like the kind of the tokenization of the whole financial system, right? Uh, and Roberto Campos Neto, the, the central bank president, and, and a lot of his deputies who are more heavily involved in this uh, digital rail project have been talking about this pretty openly. And I, it's one of these things where um, it's hard to even kind of fathom, like, well, what does that even mean? Right. If, especially if you're not in, if you don't even for people in crypto, like it's still kind of like hard to understand, like, what does that actually mean? Like people say this stuff, but it's kind of rhetoric and jargon, whatever. Um but some of the examples that you've given about the kind of the, the you know, the, the, the car transaction and implementing smart contracts and, and, you know, being able to sort of, you know, tokenize bonds and all these sorts of things. Um, but when when they're talking about, you know, kind of the, the, the rail digital as, as not just a payment mechanism, but really as the uh, kind of the foundation layer of a tokenized financial system, like how like like how should like the, you know, maybe like the lay person be interpreting that? Like, what does that actually mean? That, that, that means exactly what, it, what you say. It, it's, it's a different infrastructure. It, it's a way to have a financial system that works on a tokenized way, in the sense. I think that's more or less what you said, and that's really the way I see it as well, uh, Aaron. It's the same. I think that tokenization is a thing that it 
it came and we will stay there for a long time, right? It's much more blockchain, DLTs, and let's say, let's take Ethereum, the main blockchain that we have now. It's it's kind of costly sometimes for you to trade things there, but it's much more smooth than the financial systems nowadays, right? So uh, let, let's take just one example. So if I have, uh, and it's an international example, and that's the thing that's a, called a discussion on interoperability and also affects uh, transactions that the, we, we can have that uh, moving forward. But uh, for you to do effects uh, transactions nowadays in the traditional financial markets, it's, it's, it's a mess, right? It takes like one or two days for the money to move from one country to another. Uh, in blockchain, if you have two stable coins, one dollar and one euro stable coins, you can trade that in uh, seconds, right? And it's transparent. The price is easy. So there's a really good paper done by the people on uh, uh, of uh, it was true. It was the cycle and uh, swap discussing about this effects uh, transactions between the euro C and also the USDC, right? In the last six months, and it's amazing. It's it's much easier. It, it's much much less costly. It's it, it's much better. So as soon as soon as, I, as you have this tokenized world. Right, that you tokenize not just, not just the currencies but all the assets. The trades are much much easier. It's more transparent. It's more. Uh, you, you, it's more. One thing that's really important to say: uh, you can trade at a much lower uh, values uh, than we have nowadays. So there are some uh, assets now for investments in the traditional financial market that it has a limit because it's so costly to put that in place some funds and some uh, debaters or whatever that you need to have at least, let's say, 1 million reais or 100,000 100, reais to invest. When you tokenize that, uh, you can divide that in a fraction, in a much lower fraction. So you give access to that to a lot of people that could invest just, let's say, 100 reais on that, right? And that's a good, that's really good for the for the whole population. That's a new world in terms of, uh, of investment. But... Uh, in, ter- in terms of the the, the real digital, it, it's that it's more a new infrastructure that will that could handle all this new world on, on tokenization that we are talking about. Got it, got it. And and I think I mean one other key point I really want to drive home here to to especially to listeners maybe familiar with this topic but maybe not super familiar with the Brazil angle is really that this is these there's, there's a lot of other central banks there's a lot of people that kind of talk about these things and you know these are novel ideas and they're kind of you know people crypto people like talking about this stuff um but the central bank of brazil has like a serious track record of delivering on like meaningful financial innovation right they're not just this is this isn't just stuff that happens in the innovation lab and then it never goes anywhere like this is stuff that actually gets released and uh you know two years three years ago pix was released and now basically the entire country is using it and it's it's huge right so uh, these guys have these guys are quite competent and they know what they're doing and they and they have a track record of success when it comes to rolling these things out. So uh, these ideas that they're proposing and what they're saying that they're going to do, it's, it's not just rhetoric. It's like this, they have a track record of delivering on these things. Um, I'd like to jump back to an earlier point I was making, which is which is really like, what's the role of the of the kind of the, the traditional you know legacy TradFi banks, if you want to call them that uh, in this whole system. Right. So they would basically be linked with the central bank uh, as they are now, right? And they would have the ability to issue these tokenized uh, tokenized rail stable coins essentially to their customers uh, 
but but how do the banks benefit here and and what's i mean what's the role that they play in this in this system here and and how do they benefit from it okay so i think that they are really essential in the in this structure that they are talking about because they they're going to be the issuers of the real tokenizado so it, it's essential for us to, for the central bank to have the banks on board as well so uh they will have a lot of discussions and a lot of uh, things on that uh, moving forward uh for them it's also a kind of a pressure from the central bank to say guys i'm going going to put this infrastructure in place the cbdc is going to work like that but the stable coins or the real tokenizado it's in your environment so you need to work on that so that of course uh, put some pressure on them and also uh, kind of brings uh, more competition to this banking environment in brazil Right, so because the banks that will issue a stablecoin uh, earlier will be better in, in the end, access or to have to provide better solutions for their clients. Right, so that's more or less the idea. Uh, the idea here. You have another angle here as well, Aaron, is that as this new infrastructure is uh, what you call a EVM compatible, Ethereum virtual machine compatible. Uh, just to put that in a, let's say, in a very easy way, EVM compatible is a kind of a, a standard for all this uh, blockchain world for you to have solutions that works in various blockchains or layers ones and layers two, right? So we are talking about uh, Ethereum, is the, it's where it was created, but we have, for example, another blockchain called Avalanche, which is also EVM compatible, so we can trade easily uh, the, the codes from one to another, uh, if you have all the layer twos of uh, Ethereum, like Optimism, uh, Arbitrum, and all, they have they are EVM compatible as well. So all this infrastructure, public infrastructure that are on Ethereum, they use the same kind of uh, code that the infrastructure of the Central Bank of Brazil will use. So in this sense, it means that everything that's really uh, working on the final days could be plugged into the central bank uh, system as well, right? Of course, the central bank uh, system will be a DLT. It's going to be proof of authority. So it's not uh, as innovative. I cannot just plug a code there uh, from nowhere. So it needs to have some permissions that they will grant or not. But in the end, uh, with this EVM compatibility, it means that everything that's on the Ethereum environment ecosystem could be plugged into the uh, the system and that's really powerful because there's a lot of uh, innovation on the fi there's a lot of tests being done on the fi uh, nowadays that the central bank system could uh, take advantage of and take that from, from that and going further on, on this discussion not the things that were already developed but the things that will be developed so there's a lot of discussion on in the interior environment now about ZK, zero knowledge proofs, and, and all things, these things about privacy here. There's gonna there's a lot of tests being done. So in the next months or years, they will find a solution to that. Okay, if they find a solution, the solution will be right there for the central bank to take that and to put that into their system as well. So that's really powerful in terms of uh, innovation uh, and Taking to your point, that also puts some pressure to the local banks to say, guys, you need to start innovating because otherwise 
the competition environment in Brazil is not just local, it's global from one moment to another. So would that innovation kind of go both directions, right? Could I could I take my uh, my digital rail or my, my tokenized rail stable coins and uh, you know plug these into like a Uniswap liquidity pool or something? Is that yeah, that, 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 that's another discussion. That's uh, one of the, discuss the discussions is about the solution. How how can I get this code and implement this platform into a, a fenced environment, which is the the central bank system? The other discussion here is about interoper interoperability, right? So would I be able to send money the, from the, the, the tokenized real that I have to a really DeFi situation on the Ethereum blockchain? Uh, that's a discussion that uh, they'll have to, they'll need to have in the future. Uh, I, I, one thing that is clear for me between one system, one financial regulated system, and another financial regulated system, they are working on that. So I would be able to send or to do an FX transaction between this real tokenizado and let's say the euro, the tokenized euro in the future when they euro area have a kind of a cbdc or stablecoin environment as well that's the thing that it's it's on them to uh, to work on to get it out of the let's say just regulated systems into a into a non-regulated system that's another discussion but even talking with on the, the defi environment we, we we've seen the last couple of months a lot of these defi platforms having two kind of platforms like avi they have both, right? They have the normal AVI that we trade on the chair, and they have what they call the AVI institutional. Makers going to the same direction. There's a lot of uh, uh, DeFi protocols going in the same direction. So it would be much, much easier uh, and much more probable for the central bank system to connect with these uh, institutional parts of these DeFi protocols. Uh, but to go to the the really non-regulated uh, protocols in DeFi, it's a thing that we're going to need to be addressed in the future. Yeah, it seems like that that's going to be a, a pain point for some of these folks. They, I mean, they have rules they have to abide by. There's privacy, there's compliance, there's AML, there's all these things that they have to abide by. And, and, and yeah, they're, they're, it seems like just allowing people to use these coins or these, these tokens in whatever they want, you know, anywhere they want uh, for whatever yeah, purpose they want, seems, you know, maybe not. Um, and that's, that's probably not that, not the idea, right? We're talking about the central bank. So it's a regulated company. It, it needs to comply with all this AML uh, money laundry and all this, these things, right? So it needs to be a kind of an environment that they can control and they see what the people are kind of doing. So I'd like to broaden this discussion out a little bit, and let's talk about how uh, the, the digital real, and particularly how the, the the central bank has has gone about designing and, and building this out. How does this sort of fit into the global landscape of CBDCs? Right, where where does Brazil stack up in you know I don't know if we call it like a race or a competition to develop the best CBDC, but it, it strikes me as this is a pretty innovative project that. I mean, we've seen a lot of other, you know, countries, okay, like China's doing their thing, uh, like, you know, the Bahamas and some of these other countries have done their own thing with with sort of varying amounts of success. Um, but given, it seems like the, the folks at the Brazilian Central Bank have really, they really know what they're doing and they've really put a lot of thought into this. And uh, and like I mentioned before, they have, they have quite an impressive track record of delivering on these types of things. So how does, how does the Brazilian digital rail stack up against 
uh, perhaps other, you know, other kind of mainstream CBDC projects that you may be tracking around the world? Uh, okay, so I think that I'll go, I'll do, trace three lines here to, to answer this, this question. The first one is about uh, uh, East and West, right? When you're talking about the uh, China and uh, all these uh, Eastern countries, it's a different situation. It's a different culture. Uh, the, the, their words, they, their words about privacy is really non-existing. So the, there's no individual uh, privacy uh, concept on their environment. So it's a different thing. China is moving, so they, they have they have done a lot of tests in the last uh, years, uh, and they really are more advanced. It's a different uh, type of uh, CBDC. Because the, the big issue that they, China had uh, is that uh, the infrastructure of the payments infrastructure in China is controlled by two, two guys, right? We chat and Alipay. So they are the ones that uh, do most of the trades. So they say, okay, that's too powerful for them. I need to have one to control and I need to have one infrastructure and one system that I can control. That's the main driver for China to do the, their CBDC. So that's their movement, but it's a different thing. When you move to the to the West, I will divide that in two parts. The small countries, you said Bahamas, for example. Okay, they, they did a, a pilot there. There there are other countries that uh, did it, but just small small countries. So it's it's more maybe that's not really fair, but it's easier to do that than a, a big financial market as Brazil and others. So uh, when you're talking to the, the big ones, uh, I uh, here in Europe there's. There has been a lot of tests uh, as well. Uh, uh, France has some. Uh, uh, and also I saw uh, some days ago uh, another one that's uh, b- between uh, Sweden and uh, Israel as well. So there, there are a lot of countries doing that and uh, and discussing that. But I would say that uh, the most advanced country here in, uh, in Europe is UK. So the, a couple of uh, weeks ago, they delivered a 100-something page uh, document saying what are, what's the, the main goals uh, for them uh, with regards to CBDC. To be honest, I, I didn't have time to read it yet, uh, but there are some discussions about uh, whether it's going to be a really wholesale CBDC or it's going to be a part of retail CBDC in the UK. So they are discussing on, on that. The interesting thing about uh, the discussion within Europe is that uh, although we have a, the same currency in all the countries, uh, we have different financial systems in each country. So the instant payment that we have here in Portugal is not, is not the same instant payment uh, uh, that we have in uh, Spain, France, and and, uh, and Germany. So uh, when you're going to this new infrastructure it's probably going to be the first time that they're going to have a really uh, infrastructure, a real infrastructure that will work at the same time for all the countries. So that could be a really good thing for the population here. But there's also a lot of discussions on, on that as well. Uh, with, let's say, the democratic way of uh, Europe to decide everything, it's not really the fast way to move. So I don't expect that to be very fast here in Europe. But that would be very good uh, in the future. When I'm moving to, let's say, Japan is also involved in, in some projects as well. Uh, when you move to the US, 
which is the major financial markets in the world, U.S. is really is really a few, if I'm not to say, a, a couple of uh, of steps behind on this discussion. So they don't have they don't have instant payments yet in the U.S. So there's a discussion about the Fed now to be implemented, I think, next year, uh, but it's still under discussion. So the the, the financial system, it, it, it's an amazing thing to see because the financial system of the West, although it's the biggest in the world, it's not really innovative. So people that live there sometimes, they are really, and to transfer money from one bank to another, it's still a kind of pain in the ass in the, in the West nowadays. So... Uh, so U.S. is really some some steps behind on this discussion, but that's more or less the environment that we uh, we can see now uh, within the world. So it sounds like the Chinese model is really more about control and kind of surveillance, and really just you know the government. You know, it's just to, I mean, generally speaking, generally here, right? It's really more about kind of control, where it feels like the Brazilian model and maybe some of the models being employed by other other Western countries. It's really more about trying to unlock innovation and trying to unlock efficiencies. And I think CBCs do have this sort of like boogeyman type of image uh, of, of just being like a totalitarian kind of surveillance tool, which, you know, I mean, pers- my personal bias is like I, I tend to view them that way. <laughs> just, you know, just being honest about and, it. And, and that's, uh, that's, really, that's really amazing because that's a kind of an image that just... Uh... It's stamped on the CBDC, right? Every time that we talk about CBDC, it's all about surveillance. Yeah, or I'm going to lose my privacy. The central bank will control my money and all these, these things. But guys, what I have on this view, uh, Aaron, is that uh, that's the situation that we have now, to be honest. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, our, most of our money are on the bank. So that's not, that's not a CBDC that will change that. Right, so uh, CBDC is more, more kind of the environment that will turn our currency into a uh, our currency into a, a programmable money, which is which is really digital money, right? Because uh, and the token and uh, if you align that with the tokenization of all assets, then we're gonna have really a, a digital environment for this uh, new economy, for this new innovation, for everything. So. That, that's a power thing, this powerful thing about that, right? When you're talking about uh, this privacy and all this control of the of the state on, on the people, guys, if, if, to be honest, being very, really pragmatic, they don't need the CBDC to do that, right? And yeah, that's, that's, a great, that's, a, that's a great counterpoint, right? Because you see this type of activity happening now, even without CBDCs, right? You have, I mean, just look at what's happening across the crypto industry right now with, uh, you know, kind of this whole Operation Choke Point 2.0, uh, uh, you know, what's happening with Silvergate and, you know, kind of the, I mean, there, there's, there's, you don't need a CBDC to, uh, to enact financial censorship, right? Or to... Yeah, but but uh, on the other side, you need a CBDC for a money to be programmable, right? Or a kind of CBDC yeah. environment, or a kind of CBDC chain should do that. So that that that's really helpful. The innovation is there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one more question here before we wrap up, and I realize we could probably go on for our two hours talking about this. So we'll have to have you back on to, to do sort of a you know a, a, a redux here. Uh, there's a lot of ground to cover, and there's, there's just this is just a super interesting topic, and you know it, it, we. Could easily go into much deeper weeds on some of these things, but I wanted to get your thoughts on 
kind of this current pilot that uh, that was that the the Brazilian central bank announced on on Monday of this week, March sixth. Uh, that's going to be running over the the coming months. And really, what should we be? What are the key kind of milestones that we should be looking out for? You know, over the over the course of this pilot, and um, you know. What, what should we be, what should we, how should we could be kind of reading the tea leaves here to, to discern, like, ultimately, what is this new system going to look like that, that will be unveiled in 2024 if, if all goes according to schedule? I think from, from a central bank perspective, they, they will test everything on the system. So they will test the issue of the CBDC, the issue of the, the government, the real tokenizado, and also the issue of the, of the, the government bond token. So that's something that we're going to test. And also all the transactions between those three assets, three tokens. So that's the test. And also burn these tokens as well, right? Because when you're sending to one, you need to burn. So that that that's the thing that we're going to test uh, during this, uh, this period. As I said at the beginning, there are two things that really are, are on the core of the test, in my view, which is privacy, how... how how they control that. So there's a more technical discussion about DLT because on DLT, you're going to have nodes, right? So how many nodes are you going to have? It's going to be a really, the, it could be public nodes or it's going to need to be really uh, 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 nodes that would be regulated by the central bank. Let's suppose that the nodes will be the banks, but how a bank will control a node and not see the transaction that other banks are doing? Right, so that's a, that's the thing that we're, they're going to need to test here uh, on the on the system. Uh, which yeah, because you get into some pretty steep competitive issues there, right? If 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 I mean, this is this is a reason why a lot of these these kind of public, you know permissioned blockchain like coalition projects have never really panned out, right? Is because to a certain like, like these companies may all be in the same industry, but they're all competing with one another, and they don't want necessarily want everybody else to know exactly what you're transactions exactly. are so, how much so, we're paying so. for things it's uh or, or even who owns the ip to, to to what's you know to the so the, i think you know there, there's some there's some issues here that that haven't been resolved at least previously in other types of environments uh but at the same time it was it wasn't a governmental authority that was sort of mandating this right it was it was just it was you know these 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 coalitions of companies that kind of voluntarily come together and say hey let's test this out and then they decide, hey, it's not really working, so let's let's you know do something different. Um, yeah, and so it'll be interesting. There's there's one uh, just one point. Sorry to interrupt sure. you, but there's one easy solution would be to have just one node, the Central Bank of Brazil, that will control and see everything. But then the DLT means distributed ledger technology, right? With just one node, it's not really distributed. So how how you handle that? So that's one of the points. And then actually one other question here that I, I think a lot of folks have, I've even had my, I, I've had this question myself. I've been asked this question by people and I, I would just love to kind of get your quick answer on it, which is we've kind of, we've kind of talked, we've talked about certain parts of this, but I would just like to kind of get your straight answer on it, which is how, or what is the relationship between PICS and the, and the digital Rayal ultimately? How will these two sort of complement each other, right? We've had, so a lot of people kind of asking, like, well, why do we need a digital real if we already have picks? Like, or how will these work together? How do you see the, uh, you know, these, these two entities sort of, you know, dancing together, essentially? It's a, it's a good, good question. For me, there are different infrastructures. So there are different things, right? As, as we have the systems that we use to pay the TEDs, 
it's uh, to transfer money from one place to another. So it's a TED transaction in Brazil. It's one system. When you go to the PIX, it's another system that we use. When you go to the to the uh, CBDC or the Real Tokenizado, it's a different system that we're going to have, a different infrastructure, a different layer. So they are, of course, they, are, they connect one to another, uh, but but that's, it's a different thing. And then so uh, that's probably going to be at least as good as the picks in terms of financial transactions. That's the thing that we will we'll test in, in this that we will test in this pilot. And that's the second thing that I said about the the test that we've done. So the first one is private. The second one is is the scalability, right? So can it handle the amount of transactions that uh, they will need? So because we on picks and. And now that's one point that it's really a different uh, thing. Pix is just a, a way of payment, right? So it's just a currency. You just use Pix to pay, right? And if, if it's an infrastructure just to transfer money. On the on the real tokenizado and the real digital, it's an infrastructure not to, to transfer money, but to keep assets as well, right? On this new infrastructure, you're going to have all your investments there, Right? And let, let's let's move forward like two or three years from now. Let's say let's say that's successful, it's implemented. Uh, you can imagine a situation like that. So today, if you have investment in shares, in bonds, uh, in CD from banks, it could be in different uh, custodians in Brazil. So one, it's going to be on B3. The other is going to be on on the bank. If you invest in funds, in funds, it's going to be in another custodian. So you're going to need to have. Uh, at the end of the day, to have contact with all these guys to get your position, your total investments, right? In this new thing, uh, it's just a wallet, right? It's a wallet that has just any tokens that you have. So it's on uh, your wallet, everything. So this figure of a custodian, it's not there anymore, right? So that that's a thing that uh, will be tested. It's a pilot, but that's a really thing that's really powerful in the sense going forward because everything that you have it's going to be just in your wallet as we have in crypto nowadays right so it's it's easier for you to control that yeah and that, that's what's interesting is like that's where you see a lot of these kind of just weird like wonky crypto concepts right it's easy to envision how this could this is how these things become mainstream right where it's you know a digital wallet that that stores all of your assets right it's kind of like a crypto thing right now but in you know a few years like it could be at a point where like okay you own in your wallet, you own all of your share, all your, you know, your retirement plan shares, like your individual, you know, kind of ETFs and other types of shares. And these are all tokenized. You own like the deed to your, you know, the NFT that represents your house, right? Or, uh, you know, a, a, you know tokenized, um, you know, maybe you own a fraction of, a, of, of, of an investment property in an NFT form that's sitting in your wallet, right? Yeah. Uh, and these are the types of things. This is kind of interesting because all these like weird wonky things we talk about in crypto, it's like, Okay, this is actually how this becomes you know a mainstream thing ultimately, right? Like there's going to be, uh, this is how it goes. This is how it crosses the chasm ultimately. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, well, uh, we'll leave it at there, Gustavo. We'll have to have you back on to talk more about this because this is super interesting and there's just a lot of like I have a whole. I mean, honestly, I had a whole list of like two pages of questions and I don't. I, I think I maybe got through like three of them. <laughs> So, it's, it's, we'll to... it's just a matter of to have an agenda and check. Uh, it's going to be a pressure to talk to you again and uh, your audience as well. I don't. It's been. 
I, I really appreciated the, the discussion and the questions. The, uh, I always keep saying that uh, uh, I'm an interviewer as well in, in, in some podcasts as, as well. When I'm interviewing, uh, it forced me to think about the subject or to, to, let's say, to do the research or to learn about that. That's probably what you did on, on building that list. But answer is a different thing, right? Because yeah. it's just, okay, you're going to have the... I need to think there are some questions that you've made me that, okay, okay, that, that's a point that I, I didn't thought about. And on the way to discuss, I thought about that and I have some conclusions, some better knowledge about this thing. So that's really powerful. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing uh, with, with us your, your experience here. And we'll, ha we'll have to have you back on uh, when, you know, again, to, 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 to for a follow up here. So um, anyway, um, you're pretty findable online. So I'll include all the, the links to your various, uh, you know, platforms and uh, social handles and whatnot. You're pretty, you're pretty ubiquitous, but uh, I'll include all that stuff in kind of the show notes and everything. Folks want to get in touch with you. Um, but thank you so much for, uh, for, for taking the time here. Thank you. Obrigado, everyone, and thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the Brazil Crypto Report newsletter on Substack if you haven't already. And please do give the show a five-star rating on your podcast app if you enjoyed this content. We'll be back soon with another great guest.